Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we hear Peter's great confession, in light of which Jesus says, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This is why this story is about us, about you and I and our church. This story is what gives us our spiritual stability, where we stand on common ground. Now notice how it begins. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And so Jesus stands here in the midst of his apostles, and he asks a very strange question. Who do the people say that I am? Not, what do the people say about my teaching? No. Or not, what do the people think about my ideas? No. Or not, what do the people think about my miracles? No, and that's not the question that Jesus wants to ask. Instead, he's asking the apostles, have the people formed an opinion of him? I would argue Christianity is the only religion that wonders about a person, our founder, Jesus Christ. There is no other religion in this entire world that does that. I'll give you a great example of this. No Buddhist is interested in the person of the Buddha. The Buddhist will see the Buddha as someone who has found the way, someone who taught the deep truth. Now, the Buddha himself would say, don't look at me. Buddhism is not about me, but instead look at the truth that I found. Well, Christianity isn't like that. Christianity is about and interested in the person of Jesus Christ. It begins with this gospel passage in which Jesus says, Who do the people say that I am? You can trace this preoccupation with the person of Jesus throughout the centuries of our church. Christians continuing to ask that question, Who is Jesus? If you look at all of our church councils in the first 500 years, the Council of Nicaea, Ephesus, they tried to answer that question. Now, you might say, well, this is a fussy point. Why should we spend all of our time and our energy trying to answer this question? And you might also say, well, why don't we simply just look at his preaching and teaching? But instead, our church, for centuries on end, has been preoccupied with the person of Jesus. Now, what does Jesus find out when he first asks that question? Well, essentially, the answers are our popular opinion survey or poll. The apostles replied, some say you're John the Baptist, others say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, we probably expect these answers. After all, Jesus is a captivating and intriguing figure. He's been doing and saying some amazing things. There has been all kinds of talk about Jesus. 
So from this popular opinion survey, we get a wide range of opinions and answers. Now, some opinions are reasonable. Some are off the wall. Some are just wishful thinking. And yet, with all these opinions, there's one common denominator. There's one thing that links all of them. They are all dead wrong. They're not even close to guessing Jesus' identity. Next, Jesus, he turns to those that are closest to him, his chosen few, the apostles. Now, the apostles have been with Jesus for years now, walking, talking, living, eating, praying with him. Now, if there's anyone who should know who Jesus is, it should be these apostles. And so Jesus now directs the question to the apostles, but who do you say that I am? Now, what I find so interesting about this is the silence. All the apostles are quiet. They remain silent. Maybe it's because they're unsure. Maybe they're confused like the rest of the people. Or maybe they just don't know. But finally, Peter answers up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter gets it right. Now, the general public are dead wrong. But again, it's interesting. The rest of the 11 apostles, they don't say anything. Now, these apostles have been with Jesus for years. They've witnessed his miracles. They've listened to his inspirational preaching. They've prayed with Jesus day in and day out. And all 11 of the apostles, they don't get it. They don't know who Jesus is. Now, that begs the question, why does Peter get it? Why does Peter know Jesus' true identity? Is it because he's the most intelligent? Hardly. He's a simple Galilean fisherman, and he's illiterate. He can't read or write. Mark was his secretary. Mark's gospel was written when Peter and Mark were in Rome together. Scholars believe that Peter at that time dictated to Mark all the stories about Jesus Christ, his passion, death, and resurrection, his birth, his life, his miracles, his ministry. Mark feverishly wrote them all down and ultimately led Mark to write the gospel. And so, again, it begs the question, how does Peter get it? Was Peter the holiest of all the apostles? Hardly. Peter's faith vacillating from hot to cold always. Remember just a few weeks ago, Jesus, he plucks Peter out of the water and criticizes him. He says, oh, you of little faith. In the end of Jesus' ministry, it's Peter that betrays him, denies him three times. Now, I would argue if there's anyone who should know Jesus' identity, it should be John. John was always referred to as the beloved disciple who was closest to Jesus, and yet he doesn't get it. So, Peter speaks up. Again, why is it? Why is it that Peter, and only Peter, understands Jesus' identity? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. Now, it cannot be stated any more clearer or directly than that. God the Father, God himself, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given Peter this special insight into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is. It's not Peter's natural intellect, and it's not his basic goodness. 
It's upon this inspirational confession that our church is built upon. That's why Jesus says next, And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. What could be more powerfully said? What could be more greater of a promise than that? Our church rests upon this inspired confession of Peter, and not, not mind you, on popular opinion, which is dead wrong. Now, why is this important? Because it's becoming more and more prevalent. If you heard about it or read about it, there are many Catholics around the world that are saying that our church and the teachings of our church should really be based upon popular opinion, things that are relevant to our day and age. Whatever is most popular in a specific culture or country is the determinant of our faith. And so what's inherently dangerous about this? Well, if we follow popular opinion polls to establish or determine who Jesus is and how to practice our faith and how to know it, well, like the people in this story, we are going to be dead wrong. Dead wrong in our knowledge of God, our faith, and how to practice it. We have to realize it's a basic biblical truth. God reveals himself according to his terms, when he wants and how he wants. You see this up and down sacred scripture. God revealing himself in different ways. I'll give you some examples. God reveals himself in the form of a burning bush on top of Mount Sinai for Moses. God reveals himself as a tiny whisper for Elijah hiding in a cave. God reveals himself to Samuel as a voice calling out in the night. God reveals himself as a sharp bolt of lightning that knocks Paul from his horse. Well, God reveals himself to each and every one of us in different ways. God reveals himself sometimes when we least expect it. He doesn't reveal himself according to our terms, the way we want and how we want. The key for all of us, we must be prepared. We must be properly disposed to receive God's revelation. Well, how are we prepared? Well, praying every day, mass every week, you know, a lifestyle of stewardship. Those are just a few ways in which we are now prepared to receive God's revelation in our life. Remember the story of the Magi? How does it begin? The three wise men, what are they doing? They're scanning the night sky every night, night after night, watching, analyzing the sky for the star. And once they receive the sign of the star, that led them to Jesus Christ. Well, Peter did the same thing. In fact, Peter did something very, very simple, something you and I can do. Peter essentially stayed close to Christ. It was that simple. He stayed close to Christ every time Jesus prayed. He stayed close to Christ as he witnessed the miracles. He stayed close to Christ when he preached and he taught. And therefore, he surrendered himself to God. And in doing so, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit to acknowledge Jesus Christ in his life. I believe Peter represents all of Christianity. He represents all of us, you and I. Yes, there are moments of doubt in our faith. And yet, if we are properly disposed to receive the Holy Spirit, if we stay close to Christ, we too will have that moment of revelation we too will see our faith and God clearly 
It'll just click for us. It'll make sense and we'll get it. We, it's important for us to follow the example of Peter, to stay close to Christ, pray every day, mass every week, lifelong faith formation, stewardship. Those are ways in which we surrender to God and the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ to us so that we grow in our faith and our love. The key is to stay close to Christ. Great example of this, J.R.R. Tolkien, who was the author of the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, very devout Catholic. He once received a letter from his son, and in the letter, the son was very anxious. He wrote to his dad and he said, Dad, I'm scared. I feel like I'm losing my faith. Immediately, Tolkien wrote back to his son and advised him one thing. He told him, stay close to the Eucharist. Well, I think that's the message for us. We have to stay close to Christ. And in doing so, yes, Christ will reveal himself to us. One last thing to think about. In this story, the Holy Trinity reveals itself. It's beautiful. All three persons of the Holy Trinity are working in tandem, in cooperation with each other, for the express purpose of revealing Jesus in our life in events, in people, places, in the sacraments. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Can't afford not to. Pray over this gospel story. This story is about us and our church and how Christ continues to reveal himself in our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.